and we're rolling. We're rolling. And we're rolling. And, and we're, we're live. And we're live. From New York City, it's... Which, yes! It's like the... I forgot which show this was. The SNL. Yeah. <laughs> we should get a band. That'd be pretty cool. That would be really cool. But what kind of music would it play? Harp. <laughs> Just harp. But a band means like more than one person. So is it multiple? It's five harps. <laughs> It's very powerful. <laughs> That'd be pretty sick, though. Yeah. Welcome to Witch Yes, a podcast for casual conjurings, witches in training, and the growth on your neck that's been whispering prophecies. And the sky will rip open and bleed fire from the heavens. I'm Alicia Herter. And girls just want to have fun. And I'm Tara Kett. <laughs> Once again, yours is much nicer than mine. <laughs> I got to get my growth of my neck removed, baby. We got to get that shit out of here. Listen, we were very nervous in the Prophecies episode about the lamb, and it turns out the lamb is actually the very big mole on Alicia's neck. <laughs> it's cancerous. It whispers. On today's episode, the Salem Witch Trial Survivors, Witches in the News, and a Spell to Stop Gossip in Its Tracks. Okay, but what if I don't want to stop gossip? I like gossip. What if I want to carry gossip with me everywhere? That's what I. It's that's why my hair is so big. <laughs> it's full of gossip. It's full of gossip. Look she like it. combs her hair and just like little it's stuck in the gossip. <laughs> <laughs> it's affairs. I love it. I love it. I love gossip, but I guess not everyone has to. But you're missing out. Turns out you're just not very fun. That is the worst when you go to someone and you want to gossip about something and they're like not reciprocating. Yeah. And you're like, okay, on your high horse over there. Mm -hmm. Like you don't care. Or like when they're like not on your side of the gossip. Like, does that make sense? Where like mm -hmm. you start to gossip and, and then they come at you with a little, I just think it's like, that's like kind of sad. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah it, it is. is. <laughs> Dummy. That's why we're laughing about it. That's why we're talking about it. How are you today? I'm doing good. Amazing. I'm, I'm that. appreciating that the snow is dissipating. I was hoping it stayed. Really? Because you didn't get your chance. Well, that and I just wanted to cancel all my plans. Yeah. I was like, mm, can't do anything if I'm snowed in. <laughs> mm, bummer. It didn't happen, though. I had to keep my plans. For Alicia, it's like when we were kids... Like, having a snow day was very contingent on, like, some snooty-ass woman with, like, a tight, like, necktie, like, deciding if whether or not school was going to happen today. In a turtleneck. In a turtleneck. Yeah. And she And she trucks like this. Yep. And yep. she's she just, everybody goes to school. But for us as that an adult. That aged you, like, 50 years when you did that. <laughs> that was incredible. That's how I'm going to be when I'm older. But anyway. But now, as an adult, you could have snow day any day that there's snow. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like, you know, you your boundaries. You say, I'm from Florida. I don't do this. I did. I literally canceled plans last week because I was like, I think it's going to snow. Wait, you canceled our plans. What plans did we have last week? To record. 
Oh, yeah, that too. I was becoming a full-fledged snow monster. <laughs> I was the abominable snowman. I was shutting things down left and right. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to stay home in my warmth. And it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And here I am. The snow has melted. And I'm just a skeleton, a bag of bones. <laughs> <laughs> just angry, going back into the grave. How are you? <laughs> She doesn't want to be here. I think if you guys have, have kind of collected all of that knowledge is that Alicia does not want to be here. No, I do. I was just like so comfy in my bed mm-hmm. this morning. Today. Today. Today's well, the day. Today's the day that we are talking about the survivors of the Salem witch trials. Hell yeah. We're not talking about like everybody that survived. We're kind of talking about three in particular, three women of color mm-hmm. who were forced into these just absolutely impossible situations and how they survived using the tools that they had with them at the time. Yeah. Which was lying. Lying. <laughs> Pointing finger. <laughs> Oops. It's, it was possibly the only way to get out of that situation was just to weave an incredible lie mm-hmm. and then have everyone else fight against each other. It's truly fascinating. So we're yeah. going to get into it. I'm just going to set the scene. So Salem is a lot like the Spanish Inquisition. You say the word and everybody starts to look really suspicious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you're really interested in witchcraft trials, I want to recommend the Witchcraft Reader Anthology organized by Darren Aldridge. So it's got stuff like the social meaning of demonic possession and the experience of bewitchment and masculinity and witchcraft. So it's just like a collection of all of these articles and research done by other people. And it's just very fascinating. So I used a lot of that for this research. Oh, that's cool. When people think of witchcraft trials, they often think of hysteria. And that's definitely part of it. It's like, it's fear, and it's like, it's loose women. And oh my God, they're everywhere. They have rings. Ooh. And they're up to no good. But it's also about power and cleansing your community of undesirables. So like, kind of think like your local HOA board. <laughs> Except bloodlust. Yeah, it's like, except murder. Except murder. Which my sister-in-law lives uh-huh. in a neighborhood uh-huh. where you can't park your car on the street. There and are if they like that. and yeah. if you do it, you will get a ticket. Why don't and they people just get will a come warning? to your house and bug you about it? And it's like I'm having a dinner party. They've been here an hour. That's so weird. It's, it's so like what's crazy. the point of like living in a nice house at that point? Yeah, like if you can't have visitors, and also like I don't know, whatever. I guess it's like you get into a neighborhood and you like accept like you didn't have to buy that house, but it's also like maybe I want to put out a nice festive flag. For flag day. Do you think that's the same as like signing the devil's book would have been? Joining an HOA? I mean. The modern day devil's book. Satan is here and her name is Gloria. It's <laughs> she a, lives next you door. You sign a contract. Like you're agreeing to all of these terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. For power. To keep your lawn only two inches tall. Like I fucking know anything about how <laughs> long lawn should be. If I had a lawn, wild. Mm-hmm. It would be like a brush possibly a swamp i would let it go insane i don't see a reason to cut that shit down Mm -hmm. to just do it again the next week yeah i can't live like that maybe if you like if you had expendable income assuming that you have a lawn which means you have expendable income you are doing it so that you can hire a very muscular man Mm -hmm. to come with his riding lawnmower Mm -hmm. and then you get to offer him lemonade and do i get to sit on his lap i mean it's like a ride in a show (laughs) contract that you sell 
You're like, hey, you could come over. I'm going to give you 40 bucks, but I do have to sit on your lap like Santa Claus. And you do have to call me a very good girl. I have my own devil's book. Please sign here. In blood. Anyway. So I want to get into like both of these facets, like power and fear in a larger sense. And then I'm going to tell you how they apply to the Salem witch trials, because they're both important, like very important to these three women's experience in particular. Mm -hmm. So first is hysteria. Bad. Scary. Very scary. Loud. Very loud. And medical hysteria is a psychogenic illness that starts in the mind and moves into the nervous system, making your body do just wild and crazy things. And not like, I'm in LA and I'm wild and crazy. Like, more like, I'm in, I'm in Alicia's brush. Yeah. And I've been there. <laughs> I don't, there is no escape. I haven't <laughs> seen the sun in ages. It's like eating ants. <laughs> And um, so this is things like dancing plagues, mass demonic possessions. These all fall under the realm of like medical mass hysteria. And the idea is that it starts in your brain, but it does affect your nervous system. Like this is a physical thing that is happening to you. I can believe that. Like the stress just like is triggered in your body. Yeah, absolutely. So, but what about the satanic panic and like the Salem witch trials? When bad things happen, people don't always jump to like the forces of evil. But when things seem unnaturally bad like almost demonically bad and you live in the kind of reality that the puritans did at the time it can feel like at any moment you'd be minding your own business tending your cabbages and then all of a sudden it's just like trumpets of revelations yeah blood in the sky blood in the water blood everywhere i want to make a note like 1692 salem massachusetts that place is spooky now yes can you imagine not just Salem Massachusetts but all of New England and imagine like it is kind of like bogs or forests that you can't see into like shit is spooky Mm -hmm. it is spooky three out of four seasons spring (laughs) is nice the other ones Mm -hmm. fucking scary it's foggy it's foggy you can't you are hearing things or it's like hot and you hear like a bear growl or something or or there's no leaves and it's winter and it's quiet and you hear like a little rustling. Oh, mm-hmm. spooky, guys. It's oh, spooky. Gosh. Why do we live here? I don't know. We live in the city. Everyone like moved there and was like, yes, this seems great. We want to stay here. Let's, Let's raise a family. Here. I love this place. <laughs> I love being afraid. Fuck the kingdom. This is so <laughs> much better. <laughs> the Puritans are like the most goth ass motherfuckers ever. Anyway. It's so crazy. <laughs> Bad things that can cause hysteria and create an uptick in the belief of the supernatural are unpredictable weather patterns. Boom. Check. Huge losses of life events are like war, disaster. Boom. Check. Famine. Check. Probably. Plagues. I don't know about that one. Political or social unrest. Boom. Check. And stark social change. Boom. Check. Who are these people? (laughs) I had no neighbors. Now I have five neighbors. Who are these people? I am unrested. I have no idea what's happening. This is really interesting. Hysteria always starts from the bottom and works its way up. So politicians, bishops, governors benefit from the status quo. And when things aren't going well in communities, it's the lower class that are the first to feel it. So while the idea of the devil is real and wants your soul may come from your priest, it takes a guy with a pitchfork saying, I sings that woman shapeshift to really get things moving. I wonder why. Because I think that maybe you trust me, the uh, Alicia, the person? Alicia Herter. I feel like, who are you going to trust? Like, I don't trust anyone. Well, okay, this is a bad example. <laughs> okay, so baby witch listener, are you going to trust like some big hotshot governor 
who like lives in the city You're and right. like you don't trust governors and they're untrustworthy mm-hmm. and clean clean too clean for my liking or are you gonna trust like someone that's like your neighbor and has lived your existence and knows the people you're talking about and knows like your experience it's more okay, like that makes more sense the person that the people that are down there with you in the muck and mire mm-hmm. those are the people that are going to start the revolution i care if my neighbor's house is haunted by a ghost i don't care if the governor's house is haunted by a ghost it's funny if it's the governor it's hilarious oh my bad take more taxes so the world that the puritans were living in was terrifying oh yes yeah, so i'm gonna give you a, a metaphor oh tell me Imagine you find that your brother has been mauled to death in his bedroom. Ooh, that's scary. Now, also imagine that there's an invisible tiger in your house. You've never seen the invisible tiger, but you know there's one because your father and your father's father and your father's father's father have told you that there's an invisible tiger in your house. You can hear it at night, and you've seen the destruction that it causes all over the house by knocking over little water glasses and stuff, like, you know, cats do. (laughs) There's no one you can call. There's no, like, animal control for invisible tigers. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do is do all of the things to protect yourself. So you lock your door at night. Maybe you wear, like, a cologne that smells stinky so you don't taste delicious to this invisible tiger. And when your brother forgets to lock his door at night and ends up dead, it is very clearly the invisible tiger. Yeah, that checks out. So the devil is very much like an invisible tiger to the Puritans. He's a real otherworldly creature that is using women because they are weaker of spirit to leech their <laughs> demonic power called maleficium into our world. It's like a fucking Tom and Jerry stink line of evil Ooh. doing nasty, evil things. Anyone could be a witch. And it's not that the devil wants like souls, like souls general. It's that he's almost like this omnipresent Santa Claus like entity that has personal interest in your soul. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you are awake. He knows when you're thinking those nasty little gay thoughts. <laughs> and, and he loves it. And he loves it. He lives for it. He's like, yes, baby, go. <laughs> Get it. Sis. Yes, sign my book. <laughs> yes, girl, sign my book. Yeah, it's gay rights. Okay, so. The run of the male Catholic uh-huh. has confession because it's accepted that you, like you're going to have these impure thoughts and like if tried and true, this we, is a fact. We forgive you. It's fine. God forgives you, but for the Puritans, it's like you get one shot. Oh, you get one right. chance. Why did they make it so hard on themselves? I don't know. Make it exclusive. It's like an exclusive club. Oh, it's a club. The French Riviera. Mykonos. Mykonos. <laughs> Heaven is Mykonos. It's fine. And God is. Is, uh, is I don't know. a cabana boy. <laughs> so how does this apply to the emotional well-being of New England? So France and England just got out of the Nine Years' War, where 680,000 people are dead, like super dead. So that's a huge loss of life. Plus, since 1633, every 10 years, Massachusetts experienced a devastating smallpox epidemic. And even if you survived, your body is covered in terrible scars, which look suspiciously like witch's marks. So that's plague. That sucks. Moreover, residents were terrified of local Native American tribes and that they were going to come attack them. So that's social unrest. Kind of deserved. Definitely deserved. Now, 1633 was considered by historians to be the year without summer because there was no summer. Just spring? No, just winter. How? Uh, Let me tell you. Oh, tell me. I actually don't have any, but I oh, think it's man. I think it's because they were going through the Little Ice Age, which had something to do with like polar vortexes and like you know snowmageddon. 
Oh, that's crazy. And the devil, probably. So Salem was founded just a decade before that. So this whole community has just been through it. And by the time Elizabeth Paris and Abigail Williams would start acting up, telling people that they've been bewitched, Mm -hmm. like this land has just like experienced so much trauma. And everyone was like, oh, I'm so happy we decided to move here. I'm glad that we are free. (laughs) And then all my teeth fall out. Isn't this worth it? So these Puritans, they're in a land that they don't belong in. They're farming crops and dealing with an ecosystem that they know nothing about. And things just feel like they're falling apart. So all of this bad stuff is used as evidence of maleficium and witchcraft. And there's also this belief, if we're just talking about hysteria, that young teen girls are especially susceptible to the influence of mass hysteria. Though the research isn't like perfect on that. Just because we love the Jonas Brothers harder and faster than anyone else? Because my emotions are powerful, you're afraid of them? (laughs) I love powerfully. That's true. Now we're going to talk about power. And the most powerful thing at the time, besides money and a hot fucking rack, apparently, (laughs) is land. Patreon is getting an episode about the Witch of Pungo next week, and they're going to learn in depth about all of this. But the acquisition of land and property from the vulnerable was a major driving force for witch hunts. And keep this in mind, because the women we are talking about today do not own land, and it plays a role in their survival story. Marginalized people were talking the poor, the sick, the mentally ill, meaning like, oh, you don't own land, but you're not doing me any good by tilling mine. It sounds like you're a drain on society. Mm -hmm. What's your worth? What are you what are you even doing here? How did you get how did you find us? (laughs) Plus, if you live in a worldview of like predestinarianism, where bad things are happening to you because you've done bad things and had bad thoughts, you being poor or sick or injured or unable to work is evidence of your sin. And if you're sinning, I got to get you out of here because if I don't, God is going to be mad at me because Mm. I'm sinning by allowing you to sin. Sinning by association. Exactly. You are the getaway driver to the sin. You didn't do any of the sinning. And we have a one-way ticket to hell. (laughs) The harps come in. (laughs) So how does this apply to New England? This is kind of funny. The people of Salem hated each other. They were at each other's throats, like like Bart Simpson being strangled by Homer Simpson, just constantly violence everywhere. And there was a lot of evidence of friction regarding grazing rights, property lines, and church privileges. So that's land disputes. There are women in Salem that owned property and businesses, and one of those businesses was a tavern. So that's land disputes and also social change. You get it, girl. One of the most famous victims of the Salem witch trial, Sarah Good, was homeless, pushed into poverty by a string of people in her life that basically said, fuck this girl. Aww. Fuck her. We don't care about her. That's She's sad. in the way. All right, so let's get back to the story. The Salem witch trial begins in the spring of 1692 after two girls, Elizabeth Betty Paris and Abigail Williams, start freaking the hell out painful contortions sudden fits of screaming a local doctor (laughs) william griggs looked at these two and comes out with the hot topic diagnosis bewitchment they're like "Ooh, it's hot i got some adderall for you let's go after this diagnosis other young girls in salem start exhibiting similar behavior these girls initially accused three women of bewitching them sarah good a woman truly let down by everyone in her life sarah osborne a land-owning woman in a legal dispute with her sons she was also like fucking her gardener or something like that. And then Tituba, who was an enslaved woman and one of the heroes of our episode today. And of all those accused in the Salem witch trials, Tituba may win as the most famous bitch. You know her name, but we're going to look into how exactly she was involved. And we have a warning. Content warning. Boop, 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 boop. 
Some sources have noted that Tituba's story is just as convoluted and potentially fictitious as any component of the trials. So what you're hearing may be fact or it may be fiction, but this is what we've got. But it is juicy. It is gossip. Tituba was an enslaved woman who had been forced to work in the household of Reverend Samuel Paris. The Reverend was Salem's minister, so big power, and he was the father slash uncle to Abigail Williams and Elizabeth Paris. Genealogists believe that Tituba was likely indigenous Central American. She had been captured and enslaved in Barbados. In 1680, Paris brought her to Massachusetts. Some historians believe that she married an enslaved man on his property and had a daughter named Violet. What has happened to Violet? No one knows. There's no like document track mm-hmm. of are there any living Tituba relations today? No one quite knows. And that's the really hard part about a lot of these women is that like as an enslaved person... There's no paperwork. There's no documentation. There's no paper trail at all. Now, being an indigenous Central American, Tituba brought many of her culture's practices and rituals with her to colonial New England. These practices, of course, othered her from the white Puritan colonists, which made Tituba an easy fucking target for any kind of discrimination. Already, she's a woman of color, but also she's a woman of color and a little bit weird. Oh, no. You know? Before the witchcraft hysteria, Elizabeth Paris and Abigail Williams had been playing a fortune-telling game that involved dropping egg whites into a glass of water. Oh, we've done that before. Or we haven't done it, but we've... We've talked about it. Which, of course, seems like a really big waste of eggs, in my opinion, (laughs) back then. For people going through plagues and shit, you just want to, I don't know, I'm going to try fortune-telling. Try something I shouldn't be doing to begin with. Mm Mm-hmm. Why are you fortune telling? You're probably going to die this winter. Why are you wasting your food rations? According to legend, if the egg white took a very specific shape in the water, that shape could predict the girl's future lives. And allegedly, the girls saw the shape of a coffin in the glass, after which they began barking like dogs, babbling and crying hysterically. Barking like dogs. (laughs) Yeah, is that what they were doing? Like, I can't even imagine that happening and me being like, possessed obviously they're possessed mm-hmm. i'd be like fucking weird ass little kids you know i don't know I'd be like puritan puberty is weird it's fucking wild <laughs> i gotta get out of here and while tituba had nothing to do with the girls game she wanted to help them with their mysterious affliction so she baked the girls a witch cake consisting of rye meal and urine and the girls ate it not as a prank as medicine as medicine ew but it does sound gross, and I'm sure it wasn't called a witch cake at the time. It's a pee-pee cake. A pee <laughs> Just a urine cake. <laughs> Ooh. It sounds acidic. At that point, Reverend Paris discovered that Tituba had fed this magical cake full of pee to his daughter and his niece, and he's enraged. To someone who doesn't know anything about magic and has heard magic, that does kind of sound like magic. In a very spooky way. Like, mm-hmm. why is there pee? And, uh, you know, it's a little, mm, I don't know. So he beat Tituba to try to force a confession that she had been the one to bewitch the girls. And so Tituba was like, oh, if confession you want, bitch, confession you're gonna fucking get. So she falsely confessed and she told Paris that she served the devil and had signed a devil's book. And according to her, she and the girls had flown on sticks and a black dog had told her to harm the girls. So she was like, this is everything I can think of off the top of my fucking head. And to be fair, that's a very condemning confession. But we've also talked a lot about how people being tortured and physically abused will just say anything to make the pain stop. 
And you have to keep in mind that the idea of psychology, reverse psychology, or understanding of the human mind was not in anyone's interest at the time. It was not the hot book on the shelf, you know? No, they're like, I'm trying to eat and I'm trying to get these girls to respect God. Exactly. Titsuba probably thought confessing wasn't enough, but a confession with clear examples of devil worship, that might have been enough to scare the reverend from touching her further. Because at that point, you're saying, I'm a witch. Why the fuck are you touching me? Mm -hmm. If you touch me, I could just bewitch you. Oh, you should be scared. You should be scared of me. Yeah. So in a way, it's kind of its own power move to be like, you want to fuck with me? You want to <laughs> fight? Oh, I'm ready to fight. I've got the devil on my side. Get ready to bark, Fido. Yeah. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> you haven't heard my bark or my bite yet. Titsubo was formally accused of witchcraft by Salem officials and mass hysteria followed after that. Her court trial was apparently wild. So for those who love gossip, that was the gossip of the town. She said she had pinched Elizabeth and Abigail and once again told the story about writing in the devil's book. I don't know why she pinched them. I don't know how that fits in, but that's what we've got. It's very spooky. Pinching is, spooky. is a particular kind of assault. Yeah. That is very pinchy. I don't but know. It is, very, I don't like it is it. very particular. But also it's a culture where no one's really touching people, you know? Mm, fair. So, of course, Titipa was indicted and found guilty. Titipa stayed in the Salem jail for over a year. Reverend Paris refused to pay her bail, and she was still visited multiple times and tortured for being a witch during that time period. Eventually, Titipa recanted her testimony, telling officials that she had been beaten by Paris to force a confession. By the time she recanted, the Salem witch trials had begun to wind down. After having spent 13 months in jail, an anonymous person paid Titipa's bail and she went free. So there's kind of like two stories to that. Either this person paid her bail and she went free, never to be seen again, or it was a way of actually purchasing her and taking her to this person's property. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Where she could work there. But there's no paper trail. There's no actual documentation. So it's kind of like hearsay either way. That's crazy. While the state of Massachusetts ultimately ordered restitution to the victims of the Salem witch trials, Tituba, a woman of color who had no property and was considered to have no rights, received nothing. She was no longer a slave, but of course she no longer belonged if she had ever belonged. And at this point, Tituba disappeared, and that's it. No one knows. Just a ghost in the night. We don't know if she got to go back to her daughter, Violet. We have no idea what happened. Yeah, and it's not like she's going back down to South America. No. Because how's she getting there? That would be a wild girl's trip, though. <laughs> She takes her daughter. They, like, find their way back. Get in, loser. Yeah. We're going home. While Tituba is perhaps the most well-known enslaved woman accused during the Salem witch trials, there are two more who deserve some focus, Mary Black and Candy. And honestly, it doesn't seem like much is known about Mary Black. She was a woman of African descent who served in the house of Nathaniel Putnam, who was uncle to Thomas Putnam, who Thomas was one of the primary accusers during the trial. Oh, I see. So he was a dick. Nathaniel, however, doesn't seem to have shared his nephew's radical views. During the trials, Nathaniel actually defended Rebecca Nurse, another woman who had been accused during the trials. So Nathaniel's in there trying to be like, no, this person obviously did nothing wrong. Why are you even doing this? This is stupid. So back to Mary. John Hawthorne and Jonathan Corwin ordered Mary Black to be arrested on April 21st, 1692 on High suspicion of witchcraft performed on Anne Putnam, Mercy Lewis, Mary Walcott, and others. High suspicion. This is High. very suspicious. Not normal suspicious. But Un very. Normal suspicious. 
And some people believe that she was accused because of Nathaniel standing up for Rebecca Nurse. So oh. they thought that this was a way to get back at Nathaniel by taking away one of his slaves. I'm Bullshit. Mad. Sorry. Yeah. I'm mad. Yeah, it's stupid. Oh, and also, according to thehistoryjunkie.com, during this period in New England, there was really no reason to accuse an enslaved person except to hurt the person they were enslaved to. So it, this is like projecting shame onto the family, mildly inconveniencing them, making them be the gossip of the town. How can we trust this person if obviously someone in their household is doing witchcraft, stuff like that? During Mary's examination, she was asked to repin her neckcloth because it was believed to cause the bewitched girls to be pricked, drawing blood from them. From what we know, she did so and nothing happened to the girls. And unlike Tituba, Mary maintained her innocence throughout this entire ordeal, being like, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. I'm just as innocent as any of y'all. I'm a victim here. Yeah. You stole me. <laughs> exactly. And it's even thought that Nathaniel Putnam, before she was taken away, she was arrested was trying to coach Mary on what to say on the stand. Really? Which is a lot more than any other fucking person was getting, you know? No one had a lawyer on their side. In January 1693, Mary was put on trial, but no one appeared against her. And this may have something to do with Nathaniel's high standing within the community and the fact that he himself did not accuse Mary. And it's like, if she's in my household... I should probably know if she's doing witchcraft or not. Yeah, I would smell it. I would hear it. Exactly. Murdered chickens, eggs going missing. I would know. And despite there being such a weak case against her, Mary still stayed in jail for almost the whole month of January. Ooh, and it's cold. And it's cold. You guys. Oh, that's awful. Once she was released, Nathaniel Putnam took her back into his household, which sort of just speaks to how he felt about the accusations against her, being like, I'm not going to banish you. You can come back. That's a pretty big deal for back then. In fact, Nathaniel even paid for all of her jailing fees. So not much is known about Mary Black after the Salem witch trials. Once again, there's no paper trail. There's no documentation. We have no idea what happened. It is believed that she continued working for Nathaniel Putnam until his death in 1700. But then after that, we don't know what may have happened to her. Mm -hmm. Tituba comes up. She says, get in, loser. Get in the car. She puts on her shades. They go off in her Ferrari into the very foggy woods. And the final insight person that we know about that we're going to talk about was Candy. A girl. I want candy. Bum, dun, dun, That's how dun, she felt dun. all the time. Until this. Until this. And it was like, good vibes are over, baby. Candy was of Afro-Barbadian heritage and an enslaved woman in the house of Margaret Hawks. She also spoke very limited English, which kind of indicates that she had only recently been exposed to the language. She's very new here. On July 1st, 1692, both Candy and Margaret Hawks were accused by Thomas Putnam, Nathaniel's nasty little fucking nephew, of tormenting some of the afflicted girls, these little bitches, you know. They're whiny. They just want to cause trouble. Yeah, they do. What is perhaps most notable about Candy's case is that during her trial, she flipped on Margaret Hawks. So her white owner, she fuck it. it in survivor terms, it was a blindside. Oh, my God. She was like, I'm not. But Margaret is. <gasps> is that crazy? I love that oh, so much. Is that? It's wild. Specifically, Candy alleged that Margaret had taught her witchcraft and had made her sign the devil's book. Look, I'm not even the head witch. It's not me. It's not my problem. What is perhaps even more interesting is that when asked how she and Margaret had tortured the girls, Candy demonstrated with some poppets. So she brings these little like puppet figures out. And she manipulates the poppets using pinching, extreme heat, and water. 
which I'm like, how did she bring so many props? How did, how was she allowed this? Fucking carrot top, motherfucker. I would love it. As she was doing this in court, the alleged witch girls responded in kind. You're kidding. They're fucking playing along. And they're playing along. <gasps> did they hate this woman? Like, did they hate Margaret Hawks? Oh, I'm sure they hated Margaret Hawks. I'm sure they hated all adults. They hated all women. They were just a bunch of women haters. What is even stranger is that despite her admission in court, she did say she was a witch by association. She was forced into it. Candy was found not guilty and released. <gasps> That's amazing. Which I'm like, why is this justice system? This makes no sense. <laughs> you got all the rules wrong. Margaret Hawks also seems to have escaped unscathed from the ordeal. There are no records indicating that she was arrested despite her being accused of witchcraft. And this is most likely because Margaret was of a higher social class and was a respected member of the community, being referred to as the good wife and having the honorific title of Mrs. Mrs. Hawks. Oh, Mrs. Hawks, how do you do? I'm Mrs. Hawks. I made those girls eat pee. <laughs> and I liked it. <laughs> Not much seems to be known about Candy after the trials took place. Like Tituba and Mary Black, Candy seems to have disappeared from the historical record after this, but... Tituba comes girl. in in her fucking Ferrari. She's like, get in, loser. And she's like, don't call me that. And they all they have sun hats now. Mm -hmm. Just living a glorious time. So something that I found that was like super interesting is that historians think that it's actually pretty unique that Tituba, Mary, and Candy were accused. So Stacey Schiff, who studies and writes a lot about how our contemporary lens like colors our view of history, said that New England witches were outliers. They were deviants cantankerous skulls and choleric foot stompers choleric oh my gosh they dirty and diseased oh my goodness but they were not people of color mm. since enslaved people in new england didn't have property or wealth like alicia said accusers didn't gain anything from accusing them the only logical motive for doing this would be to hurt the person that they were enslaved to the gossip yes they're like you are more of a tool mm -hmm. to be used to get to somebody else you're like pulling a fast one on them so why were they not killed like why especially Tituba. like the first one she starts this whole shit off you know i mean candy i'm like i have no idea mm -hmm. Tituba's like i seen that one and that one and that one exactly it's fucking wild because you would think that it'd be so easy for a culture that you know of one servant does something wrong you can kill them immediately mm-hmm why would she be allowed to live? So in this situation, these are all theories. Nothing is tried and true, but I was just having some thoughts on this. These are Alicia's thoughts. These are Alicia's thoughts. Tituba had two things on her side. She was a slave, and she was the first person. Oh. Those are my thoughts. From what we can discern about colonists, they were dicks to slaves and indentured servants, and they had a whole worldview that their servants weren't real people and their lives didn't matter. But how that worked for Tituba is that her confession led to such mass hysteria that to a bunch of New England Puritan white people, why would they worry about a slave being a witch when there are other white people in our town who are witches and may have more power to do them harm because they're in a white space? Their mindset was that they know they can't trust their servants, but now I can't trust my neighbor. That is more insidious, too, because it's like people that are not within my social class cannot, like, get to me in these safe spaces. Yeah. But all of a sudden, it's the person next to me at church. Or it's like, of course, my slave disappoints me, but my neighbor? Yeah, the person I sit next to at church? I would mm -hmm. never expect that. 
And Tituba being the first found guilty was also to her benefit because there were 140 to 150 people accused of witchcraft during the Salem witch trials. They were busy. (laughs) They were busy. Each person would have had a trial. And then, of course, some would have longer trials than others. Some had multiple witnesses or people who just want to take them out. And that takes a lot of attention away from Tituba. So she caused the storm. She and, caused the storm. And, and through she's the cloud, she's able to yeah, escape. Exactly. She kicked the dirt into the eyes. Of these 140 to 150 people, 20 of them were intentionally killed. One was tortured to death and 19 others were hanged to their deaths. Four people even died in jail awaiting trial. They didn't even get to trial or their full trial. And of course, of those 120-ish people left in jail, most of them are fighting fucking tooth and nail to get themselves out. You've got your family, you've got your friends, anyone on your side. So we are going back to jail and back to jail and back to jail. And let's say you have 20 to 30 officials at most working these cases, which sounds like too many, honestly. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would probably be more like 10 to 15. It was, there weren't that many people back then. Like, holy shit, how do you even organize this? There's no Excel spreadsheet for keeping everyone's yeah. information. Oh you probably forget there's someone in jail, and then you're like, oh, fuck you. You're still here. You're probably really hungry. Oh, my God. Also, nobody could fucking read. No one could read? So what are these spreadsheets going to be good I for anyway? And there's also other crimes going on during that time. Petty theft, property disagreements, who's the daddy, Like, life goes on in this court's justice system. It doesn't stop because some bored kids started accusing people of witchcraft. Those are my theories. That's really interesting. I think they're pretty good. I think they're pretty good. I could write a paper. She she did. I I wrote four paragraphs. (laughs) Yo, if you put an intro and a conclusion. That's it. One thesis statement. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, but... I think there could be a lot to that. Your attention's so diverted. And also, oh, I'm scared of my neighbors. Mm-hmm. This is way, this takes way more precedent. That's very interesting. Than this person who doesn't have property, who does, can't do anything to me, already hates me. Who cares? You yeah. know, it's like, hmm, very weird. It's like the enemy that you know mm-hmm. is less dan- dangerous than the enemy that you don't know. Your friend's close, your enemy's close or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It could be like your fucking daughter. Yeah. It's crazy. And she loves pee. So it's probably her. She can't get enough of it. They call her the golden shower. (laughs) Oh, no. Goldilocks as it takes on a different tone. Gross. So what do you think? Any closing thoughts? That shit's awful. It's bad. That shit sucks. It's really bad. And it's hard to, like, look at it from a contemporary context and not, like, assign all of these things to it. And I think that, like, the survivor tale is like lost to history we had questions like okay but what was Tituba really like and you don't have Tituba writing a diary yeah like talking about what she thinks and you have a system that doesn't care what oh, Tituba yeah. feels exactly exactly so how no one would know what she's like because why would anyone put it in words mm-hmm. all right so after that tale of misery woe and the ultimate survivors that means it's time for which is in the news yay what are they doing in the news? What are those witches up to? What are they up to? What is the gossip? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> Our first story is everyone deserves the chance to fly, including actress Brittany Johnson. Boom, boom, boom. Brittany Johnson has made history for being cast full time as the first black actress to play Glinda on Broadway. Yay! Hell yeah. 
Britney's Glinda debut will be around February 14th this year. Britney had originally made history when she played Glinda on Broadway back in 2019, but she is also the first black actor to play the witch full time, which is a big fucking deal. Britney was quoted saying, my heart is bursting with gratitude. I am so humbled to be the first black Glinda and honored to fulfill the dreams and hopes of so many. I feel like my feet have yet to touch down. And if you're in New York City area, tickets to Wicked are available now. I love that musical. I've never seen it. You've never seen Wicked? Oh, I've it's never seen it. so good. And it's beautiful. And the music is fucking fire. And it's <sighs> just like. I really want to see it. Fucking but. there's some sexy shit in it. Ooh, it's I like, didn't even know that. I thought it was a kid's show. Uh, well, a sexy kid's show. It's, it's a very, those children are sexy. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Um, well, it's based off of the book Wicked. Have you ever read that? No. It is not for children. Oh, okay. I've seen The Wizard of Oz, which I know it's very loosely based on that. It's basically the events from the Wicked Witch of the West's perspective and like before all of that stuff happens. You actually never see Dorothy. Oh, okay. She's just kind of alluded to. Oh, interesting. It's very good. I want to see it. I would recommend. Okay. It's on my list. Don't worry. Up next, nearly 200 human spines found threaded onto posts in Peru. Threaded? Yeah, I needed to say that whole thing just so people can start like, okay, I'm thinking about it. All right, all right. I started to scream at spines. (laughs) And it kept going. (laughs) It kept getting worse. Threaded was a good word, too. Woo. A new discovery has been made in the Chincha Valley of Peru's southern coast, and it is ancient indigenous graves. Archaeologists and researchers have discovered nearly 200 separate human spines threaded onto reed posts. They have dubbed this discovery vertebrae on posts. That's a dumb fucking name. That's a terrible. That's a stupid name. I guess it gets to the point, but that's a dumb name. They could have done vertebrae on a stick, and then it's like fair food. Oh, it's like a hot dog. Yeah. It's like an elephant ear. No, that doesn't come with a stick. No. But it is delicious. It is so good. like these spines. No. No. Don't eat the spine. The vertebrae on posts were found in large indigenous graves known as choipas, which date back hundreds of years to the time when European colonizers were in the area. During this period of European colonization, epidemics and famines plagued the local people. And back then, many indigenous groups in the region believed in bodily integrity after death with their own unique treatments of the dead, including practicing artificial mummification. So it is believed that when these mummies were destroyed by European colonizers, because they're around there digging for gold in these fucking graves, trying to steal shit, ruining the bodies in the meantime, fucked up shit. It is believed that the indigenous groups that were still alive salvaged what they could of the people of the dead people in these graves. And so that's why they created this vertebrae on post like situation. Oh my God. Because they believed in bodily integrity. It's gone. So Mm -hmm. now they're trying to just do something. Yeah. That like preserves like their value and like who they were as a person. And yes. Oh gosh. And it's an exciting thing to find because this was hundreds of years ago. So archaeologists, I feel like they're always like coming in their pants. I feel like being an archaeologist must be like one of the best jobs. You're always like erect, you know. And our last story is another European city pardons witches. This past week, Catalonia, Spain has formally pardoned hundreds of women who were executed for witchcraft. A resolution was approved on Wednesday, January 26 that rehabilitates the memory of more than 700 women who were victims of misogynistic persecution. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is, baby. Historians believe that the majority of witchcraft executions in Spain were in the northeastern region, 
Catalonia was one of the first areas in Europe to implement anti-witchcraft acts in 1471. An estimated 50,000 people were condemned to death for witchcraft across Europe between 1580 and 1630, and around 80% of whom were women. And Catalonia was like, we're fucking sorry. We're really sorry. That was shitty. They were like, I understand how Scotland is letting you down over and over again. That's the one that's like... Yeah, they're not there yet still. We're fighting still, but... No pardon yet, but Catalonia was like, we got you. We feel bad. We you feel should. remorse, yeah. You should feel remorseful. And that has been Witches in the News. That's so many people. So many. 50,000. Yeah, Salem Witch Trials was like a drop in the fucking bucket compared yeah. to Europe. It's fucking insane. So while you're feeling terrible, <laughs> we're going to move into our final segment, which is the spell. Woo! Woo! So this one was suggested by Brian. It's a spell to halt gossip. He was like, let's keep it on track. Let's keep it on brand. This is what you're going to need. One lemon. And if I have to remind you, fucking buy local. Okay. Than Amazon? Better than Amazon. How am I going to get lemons on Amazon anyway? You have to do this during the summer. Oh, okay, okay. That's what you mean. One black candle. And make it tiny. Don't use the big boy for this one. This one's quick. (laughs) A whole clove, and not the garlic kind. We're talking like the pumpkin pie, like the apple cider, crisp fall morning kind. And then finally, sandalwood incense. And be sure that you're not getting Indian sandalwood because it's incredibly endangered. Most of the stuff you're going to find in metaphysical shops is going to be the Australian sandalwood, which is A-OK to use. So here's what we're going to do. Boom. What? You're going to PayPal me $1,000, and in a week I'm going to tell you all the gossip. (laughs) In a week, I'll go through Alicia's hair and pick things out one by one. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. Um, no, you're going to cleanse and ground. You got to always cleanse and ground. You got to do it. Step two, place the black candle and incense in your workspace. Light each of these. Now for the next step. And it doesn't say to open the lemon up, so I think you're supposed to just like take these sticks of cloves straight through the skin. Like stick them in there. But if that seems too hard, you can cut the lemon open. Yeah, I need as least effort on my end as possible. Yeah, take the lemon, push these whole cloves in, in the shape of the rune isaz, which is basically like a long vertical line. Shape of an eye. Okay, got it. Like you're playing like light bright or like battleships. Mm-hmm. As you're putting the cloves into the lemon, repeat these words. Incense fair and lemon bright, halt the tongues of those who might, speak slander and lies against me. As I will, so mote it be. Or my alternate text. Get my name out your fucking mouth. You put them in the freezer. (laughs) Boom. Out of here. Out of here. You ugly. Get them out. Once the candle has burned all the way down and we've used the small one because we are smart. We are smart. And we have things to do. Yeah, we can't sit here all day. You're going to bury the lemon in the ground where no one will disturb it. So dig deep. (laughs) Throw it in a grave. (laughs) Kill your husband. Throw it in his grave. No one's going to talk about it. Oh, he'll smell so fresh. (laughs) Lemony goodness. Mm. Anyway, that's it. This was great. Thank you for the spell. Thank you, Brian, for the spell. And thank you, Alicia, for coming today, even though you didn't want to. (laughs) You know, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And we would like to thank Marcel Perez, our producer, Mallory Porter, our creative director, Brian Rainey, our resident intern and researcher, and Kevin McLeod for the music in the intro and outro that we use each week. Not the mid-tro. That's just me. That's Plain Tara spoons. going, boop, 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 boop. That's <laughs> copyrighted. <Play> the harp. <laughs> it's me. It's doing like stomp, but like where you like slap your body and you make sounds. Ooh. 
come talented to my one, and gross. Come to my one-woman show in this basement. Oh, I'd also really like to thank anyone who's left reviews on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Those things really help us. And of course, if you're on Spotify, please subscribe to us. Just subscribing, leaving Apple Podcast reviews, Stitcher reviews. It all helps other people find which yes. And as we know, there's a great which yes community. And so that other person could be your next friend. We don't know. If they want to find you and become a part of the Alicia Herder community. The Alicia Herder experience. The Alicia Herder uh, divinatory prophet. <laughs> uh, what, what, what do you call them? Your Alicia Migos? Oh, no. They're my lambs. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my lambs. They're my little lambs. Uh, uh-oh. Okay. Where are they going to find? You can follow me on Instagram at Alicia period Herder. And then what if they want to find you? Your my, little lemons. My hams. Your hams. The hams versus the lambs. <laughs> and we duel at the summer solstice. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at her lovely face. That's my art Instagram. I also have a private Instagram underscore little moss. I basically just see if you're following Alicia. If you want to find the podcast, we're on Instagram at which yes. Share an episode in your stories. Tag us and we'll feature you on our stories. And if you don't like Instagram, you can always head over to Facebook, which yes, the Facebook coven, or you can contact us via email at whichespodcast at gmail.com. We also have a hop in discord. Hoppin. It's so cute. It's so cute. They're so nice to each other and so kind. And like, like I cried the other day. Like at, Alicia they were sent, so nice. sent me a text. And she was like, look at these baby witches. They're so sweet to each other. It's very, very good posy vibes. And you can also vent about things. Like it doesn't have to be posy, but it's a very supportive community. You can also find us on Patreon. $5 Patreon, which is and above, are getting two extra episodes a month, which makes this a weekly podcast. Ooh. Next week is Witches of Pungo, I believe. The Witch of Pungo, yeah. And last week's was about exenomancy. So about throwing, no, not even throwing axes, about axes and divination. Exactly. $10 and above get access to our close friends list and more. They get access to like early merch and tarot card readings. And we just love them a lot more than we love you. That's not true. <laughs> I mean, it's a little true. And that's it, which I guess that means that this has been. Which, which yes. Bye.